Hello once again. Great to be back. Uh, this morning we'll be continuing our Kingdom Come series, which is uh, looking at the Sermon on, Mount, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7. So if this is your first time joining us or jumping in, this is where we've been uh, for a little while. But before we get into Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about basketball. Does anyone like playing basketball here? You just put up your hand. Who you like basketball? We got a couple here. Basketball, a couple, okay, yeah, so not a lot, that's what I figured. Uh, <laughs> basketball's great. Andrew's back there saying, oh, he just put I do on the screen, he's talking to me, Andrew's back there. If you know Andrew, seven foot uh, basketball master, but I'm not really good at basketball. I remember one time I was um, hanging out with another pastor at SUNY Potsdam at the Maxi Gym, and we did like, uh, hey, you want to play like, you know, just the seven points, you know, or eight points or whatever. I think you score by two points. So it shouldn't take this long, right? We played for like 30 to 45 minutes trying to get the eight points because neither of us could get the ball in the net. Let me tell you, if you can't score a basketball and you want to get cardio, you hit that rim and you let it go over several basketball courts, you are running a lot. And then I see these other people that just somehow get the ball in the net. I don't know what game they're playing. I play the avoidance version. I'm not very good at basketball. And so I think my mom knew that too when I was younger. And so she sent me and my brother Dave to a basketball camp in eighth grade. And so we learned how to do basketball for like a week, you know, which was awful. It, it was fun. Uh, you know, you can get counseling and therapy. It's all good. But uh, <laughs> so bad. But basketball, I was learning and it was fun. But I remember being there and there were some cool kids, you know, that could play basketball. They also had some really colorful language. And I'm like, man, I wish I was a cool kid, you know. Uh, you know, I was homeschooled, you know, obviously I got issues, you know. No, I love homeschoolers. Our kids are homeschoolers. Great. But I'm just like, I, I don't fit into that category. And honestly, I shouldn't have fit into this category because the way they would talk about people and the way they talk, the words they use, honestly didn't honor God. But I don't know, you ever been in a situation where you're just kind of like wanting to be the cool person? Like, I wish I was part of that group, you know. I wish I could be, you know you know, knowing how to get the ball in the net, but also just be like, hey, you're cool. And I remember, like, even as a, as a young person knowing Jesus, and I remember thinking, like, man, how can I get, like, the affirmation from these other kids, you know? And I thought about it. If I start speaking the way they speak, then maybe I can be part of one of the cool kids, right? And so I was picking up on words that I had an idea what they were, and other ones I didn't. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to use one of these words, which clearly I knew would not honor God, but maybe wouldn't be a way to get some affirmation from the other, uh, you know, basketball players. And so I remember uh, towards the end of this basketball camp, it was only a week, uh, I remember just talking to them and using like some words that I really shouldn't have because they did not honor God. And if you're not used to using certain words, it doesn't come out normal in your conversation. So what I thought would be like, dude, yeah, you're one of us. Come on over and hang out, you know. They all just looked at me like, <laughs> what's, what's wrong with you, man? You know, like, you're, like you, you're not that kid and we know that. And why are you talking like us because you don't belong here? Um, and I remember trying desperately to get the praise and the affirmation of some kids that I only knew for a week. I mean, how sad is this? Only for five days, right? But I wanted to be part of that cool group. And I was thinking about that. What was motivating me wasn't a motivation of, man, I hope to reach these people and love them like Jesus. I hope to care for them. I was literally putting aside honoring God with, my, with specifically my words to hope to get affirmation from other people. I, and I thought of this one example because I'm sure I've done this a lot, maybe more subtly in my life, where I'm like, I want the praise of another person. I want the, uh, you know, that uh, affirmation of someone more than God. 
and maybe in a more subtle way, but this one was very, I remember, distinct because I thought this will not honor God, but I'm going to do it anyway. So it was very like a thought-out process. Are you with me? It wasn't like on a, oh, man, I made a mistake in a moment. Like I was thinking of the mistake ahead of time, and I was still going to do it, and it did not <laughs> work out at all. And I want to talk about motivation because that's what Jesus is talking about. We talked about this last week and then today. What motivates you? And obviously I was using, you know, colorful language that did not honor God, did not honor God at all. Jesus is giving examples of actually spiritual discipline. So I really doesn't, it doesn't relate completely at all, actually. But idea, what's the motivation of the heart? And last week I was talking about, as Jesus was mentioning, the idea of giving to the poor, doing it in such a way that you're not trying to get honor and praise from other people. And then today we'll be looking at prayer, and then next week we'll be looking at fasting. Aaron will be sharing about that. And these were three spiritual disciplines, as I mentioned last week, that the Jewish uh, people would have done as like a religious duty. So Jesus is hitting in like the core of uh, Judaism of like, hey, these three things, which are all really good. I mean, we want to give more to the poor. We want to pray. We want to fast. Amen? Right? Anyone else with me? Amen? We quiet out there? I didn't put you to sleep already. Oh, come on. That's supposed to be like 25 minutes in, you get the snooze. <laughs> but yeah, this whole idea of like, wow, these are some disciplines, but our motivation, we can do the right thing, but with the wrong heart. Are you with me? We can do the right thing. I was giving an example of doing the wrong thing with the wrong heart, so that's very clearly messed up. But doing the right thing with the wrong heart, which is tricky, because we can deceive other people into thinking we're doing it with the right heart, but we also, if we do it enough, this is the danger, we can deceive ourselves. Anyone ever done that? I know I have. Because sometimes a habit becomes a lifestyle. And when a lifestyle that is not necessarily honoring God becomes normal, we think just because this is normal, it has to be right. I think in all our families, all our families are dysfunctional. Uh, scripture makes that pretty clear. You don't need to say amen, especially if your family's here. <laughs> but sometimes things in our families growing up, right? Just because it's normal, doesn't always mean this honors God, right? And sometimes we got to say, you know, Lord, I got to get rid of this, you know, this pattern or the way I used to speak, the way we used to talk about people, the way we used to like take this. Or that. I realized, Lord, uh-uh. We just sing the song about the blessings. May this go on for generations and generations. We want the blessings of God to go on for generations and generations. We do not want the dysfunctional nature of sin in us to go on for generations and generations. Amen? You with me, right? And the Lord can break that off. Praise God. The Lord can break that off, you know? Uh, he is so powerful. But we want to be mindful. What is the motivation? Because even in church, we can do the right things for the wrong reason. We are wanting praise and not to glorify God. And so we're going to keep going. Jesus is talking about prayer today, and we're going to look at that together. Um, prayer, a basic definition, if you're not super familiar, prayer is literally just like talking to God, right? Having, having a conversation with God. Uh, sometimes you can hear prayer. It's like, do you pray? It's like, Ah, what exactly? What, what do you want me to do, right? What is prayer? A more defined definition of God, I was re uh, prayer, sorry, from the Gospel Coalition. This one has a little bit more meat to it, I would say, but prayer is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do, which is modeled throughout the Bible by the Old Testament patriarchs, the psalmists, the prophets, Jesus, and the apostles. It's a way of connecting into, God, what are you all about? What are you doing? And I want to pray that into existence and faith. And we'll actually see that in the model that Jesus is giving us to pray and to his disciples. So let's read Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. And once again, it's all in the framework of not doing spiritual disciplines to get affirmation from people, but instead to do it for the glory of our Heavenly Father. 
Verse 5. Let's start there. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, they love to go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret rewards you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Listen to this. This is great. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Is that just a wow right there? He, okay, just if, if you're going to fall asleep, fall asleep now. But get this one in. <laughs> he, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Oh, man, did that just blow my mind this week when I was thinking about prayer. How many times are we trying to form God on things we think we, he doesn't know? God, if you knew my situation. God, if you knew, the, God, if you knew my health. God, if you knew my fight. God, my family doesn't know Jesus. Oh, you already know this ahead of time? Oh, cool, Lord. How might that influence the way I pray then? We'll look at that in a second. God's so good. So then Jesus continues, and he says, pray then like this. And he's giving them a model. Not to say you can't pray this prayer, but it's actually a model of prayer. And we'll look at that a little bit more in a second. But our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's take a moment to pray. God, I'm really excited to learn more about what you have for me and us today. But Lord, I I do pray that we'd be open to receive what you have for us. Because God, you have something specific for each of us from your word. And God, as we're talking about prayer, would you show us more to pray like you modeled to the disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take the first couple of verses, verses 5 to like 8, I guess, and then we'll talk about uh, the prayer that Jesus modeled to his disciples. So once again, just like last week, Jesus is making the point, don't be like a hypocrite. That's the person that's acting for a show, that evil even possibly is having a like evil intent and trying to deceive people that they're good. Or like I mentioned earlier, possibly deceiving themselves and hoping other people will be in that deception as well. You might remember that one of uh, Jesus' close followers, Judas, uh, lived a hypocritical life. He was actually the treasurer of the group. So he'd take money, and he'd give money oftentimes, I think almost daily, to the poor. But we might realize that Judas oftentimes would take money out of the offering for the poor. I think we all could say that's not good. He even got really upset because once there was a lady that used this really expensive oint- like, uh, perfume on Jesus' feet. You might remember this story. And he was like, man, that stinks. We could have, that's a year's salary. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. That sounds really good, doesn't it? But as we see in scripture, it's only because Judas liked to take a little something off the top for himself, right? He had the right words. I'd be like, wow, Judas is about the poor. The, sac- the refuge, we got we to gotta care for people. Really, Judas is just like, that could pad my, my bank account, you know, at home a little bit better. So Jesus knew like that, but Jesus was still on the team, even though Jesus knew exactly what Judas was up to. So he's like, don't be like a hypocrite, someone that says one thing and does another. We don't want to be like that, but we can be if we're not careful. Jesus is saying they love to get attention in public places. They pray in places where there's people, 
and they want the attention and affirmation to come from people. I was reading in a commentary this week that was just really convicting and encouraging at the same time. It said, if our public prayer outpaces our private prayer, then we're in great trouble. I'll say it again. If our public prayer outpaces our private prayer, then we are in great trouble. Does that make sense? It's because prayer is supposed to be an overflow, this intimacy with God. The idea that, like, uh, and you can apply that to anything. Same thing with, like, praise and worship. If our, if our public praise and worship up here for singing outpaces our private praise, we're in trouble. Because God wants us to be in a place where it's an overflow. A relationship with Jesus is an overflow. That there's such an intimacy and joy and fellowship with him that whether we're giving, we're giving with a heart of joy and generosity. Or if we're praying, we're praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if it happens to be in public, that's cool. But it isn't necessarily necessary. The Pharisees wanted to only pray in public places so that way they could receive the praise of people and not of God. And Jesus says it makes it clear. If that's your game plan, you'll receive that reward. If that's what you're looking for, a human-based reward, that's, that moment will come and it will end. But as we saw last week, there's a blessing. There's something God wants to do and reward us with. And it doesn't give a specific of exactly what that reward is, but something that God wants to do and bless us when we go to him in private. And he gives this example, he says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Does this mean you can never pray in public? Because I just prayed in public like five minutes ago, <laughs> right? You know, you can, you can pray in public, but remember, we're not looking for praise from people. Are you with me? In public. There's just, it's a different motivator, and Jesus is really focusing on the heart. What's the heart drive for why you're doing what you're doing? But to go into secret place and for all of us, for those who are, I mean, some of you are here and you're just exploring more about Jesus. We're really glad that you're here. Maybe you're online watching and exploring or whatever. Really glad. But for those who are following Jesus Christ, we want to have a, a prayer life, an intimacy with Jesus that just flows from that personal time with the Lord every day. We want that. I want that. And we need it because out of that flows everything. Now, does it have to be an exact room? On the shut door, there's a lot of examples in scriptures of people praying in a lot of different places, either in rooms or open areas or, or out in the fields. There's a lot of stuff. But the idea of just the whole focus should be on the audience of one of God. But the idea of having a place to pray in your house, if that helps you out, that's really great. Someone I like to just you know, brag on actually is my mom. Uh, when she used to have a house with my dad in New Hampshire, uh, she took one of the closets uh, and she made it into a prayer room. And she had a, like literally just like a simple walk-in closet um, and she had like a little chair in there and a, and a wall of prayer requests on it. It's beautiful with pictures of people she's praying for and, and nations. It's just awesome. Go, Mom. And then uh, they recently moved to the Albany area. They're in a, an apartment, and the apartment has like a little bit of a walk-in closet. It's not a big space, but there I remember visiting her just a couple months ago, or last year, I should say. And once again, all the prayer requests up on the wall, the photos and stuff. She has a place for her where she goes on her knees, and she gets the war in the spiritual realm for others. Isn't that awesome? I know for me that's an inspiration at least because I'm like that's really cool. I remember a college roommate uh, for college students that uh, you're like well what do you do when you have roommates right? They take over the room. Anybody else feeling like that? Maybe? No? You have any roommates? Okay yeah it's a little hands like Ooh. maybe my roommate's right next to you but <laughs> keep it down. But I remember one of my roommates we had uh, there's three of us in one room and it wasn't big. This is when I was uh, uh, Robert's was in college in Rochester and so what he did is he took uh, he took a bunk bed and a bunk bed and made like a little entrance to like a corner. And then he took Psalm 119. It's my buddy John. He took Psalm 119. 
And he just printed it out, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it just surrounded the entire area. And he would go in there and just pray. For him, he just got really creative. So I'm not saying you have to have this space, but if you feel like the Lord's leading you to make a space that you can just go pray in your house or in your dorm room, for some of you, you might be like, I like to go outside on a mountain or by the water or the river, wherever, just some private place to be with the Lord. But the key is to have something that's specific that you can go to regularly. Because as we know, we can form bad habits by doing them over and over again. But we also can form good habits, godly habits, when we have a place, a time, and a space that we can go to daily. Are you with me this morning? So you can have fun with it. So if you already have that, keep going. Like, keep praying. Like, just see what the Lord wants for you and pray the kingdom come as will be done. If you don't have any consistency in your prayer life, then come up with, come up with a space or come up, ask the Lord this week, God, where's that, like a time? Maybe you're a morning person or maybe it's an evening thing or afternoon. I don't know. The Lord knows you. And then find some place that you can just be alone and just be with Jesus because he wants to share some awesome insight with you. So we were praying about the public and the, the private. Just remember, it's about the heart. We want the inner relationship with Jesus to overflow into the public. The second thing, before we get into the Lord's Prayer, is uh, Jesus is saying, you don't need to say a lot of words in order to get me to hear you. <laughs> and I've definitely done this before in prayer. Just rambled, right? Just kind of going and going and going. And maybe I just do that normally in life, too. I talk a lot, right? I can just ramble. We don't need lots of words in order for God to hear us. Other pagan religions, uh, the Gentiles, they would try to do lots of words, lots of rituals, in order for hopefully their deity or higher power to take a notice of them. God's like, I'm not like that at all. You don't need to look at these other religions or those that don't follow after God to figure out how to pray, as if it's some kind of religious thing in order to get the face of God to turn towards you and bless you like we were singing. God makes it so clear. You don't need to do that. And he says in verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. That just blows me away. It really frees up. That means our prayers, I mean, if you want to go deep and long in prayer, there's freedom there. Just realizing that the length of our prayer doesn't dictate the love of the father. Are you with me? It's like, man, I only got to pray for like two seconds. I'm sure some of you today are having a really rough time. I just know in a group this time. <clears throat> if all you can say is, Lord, have mercy or mercy. I've done these prayers. I just say mercy. That's all, I, that's all I can muster up. Lord, have mercy. Like, that's my heart. And God, you know what my heart is. It says you already know what I need before I need it. So Lord, just have mercy on my life. God, I need you. I'm desperate. I'm too tired or weak to go long in prayer. But I don't necessarily need to in the sense of like, you're going to love me. I would love to linger longer. But Lord, maybe I'll just say mercy. I'm just going to listen and just see what you have for me today. Isn't God amazing? Because remember, it's about his, Victoria said this this morning, communion. It's about his grace towards us on the cross, which then frees us up to come to him as a child. And we're going to look at that in a moment. So Jesus says, then pray then like this. <clears throat> and before I get into the Lord's Prayer, or some people call it the Disciples' Prayer, I want to talk a little bit more about God. Now, we're so used to hearing this prayer or seeing it on a plaque or on a wall. It becomes really familiar. At least in my case, it becomes really familiar. A lot of you might even have it memorized, potentially, um, possibly in the King James Version. <laughs> That's how I grew up. Um, but I want to focus on the first part of the prayer. I'm probably going to emphasize that more than other parts. But that part where it says, Our Father in Heaven. Now, this was a really big deal because for the Jews who would have been listening, the whole idea that you can approach God like a father would have been pretty foreign to them. 
we're kind of used to those languages, right? So I just want to talk more about God, and I have um, one from the New Testament, but actually four quick scriptures from the Old Testament, just talking about how magnificently awesome and revered God should be. Because the Jews would have had that picture. God's an awesome God. He's a powerful God. He's a holy God. He's a loving God. He's a just God, right? But it would have been a much more like, uh, like God, you created the universe kind of God. That can get you into prayer and being like, Lord, let my words be few. You created everything. And there's a reverence there, which I think is great. I think, unfortunately, in American church, traditional, like, we, we easily, I can lose that, that reverence, you know? And so I want to talk about that reverence for a moment, and then we'll go into our Father. So here's some attributes of God. If you want to know who you're praying to, it's good to get to know the person better. So a couple of things we'll see. This is just a couple. There's a lot of attributes of God. I'm going to look at five. So God is infinite. <laughs> he is self-existing. He's without origin. He doesn't need us at all, but he loves us. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the God that we pray to. God is immutable. He never changes. Now we're going to Old Testament. In Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Psalm 33.6, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. It's great. By the word of the Lord. The Lord just spoke it. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. And lastly, uh, just for this morning, I can use God is omnipresent. I love this one. He's always everywhere. These are like some of the omnis. Psalm 139, 7 to 10. I love this passage. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. Isn't God amazing? Like, this is the God that we get to pray to. This is the God that we get to know. He's not some weak God that's like, oh, man, I wonder if he can answer this prayer request. And probably not that familiar with what's going on. And he kind of loves, but not everyone. And he has power, but not a lot of it. He might not be aware, so maybe I should let him know. <laughs> that's not what we're just reading. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is always everywhere. He never changes. He's self-existing. He's without origin. He's loved. Do you know this God this morning? Amen, church? Do you know this God? This is the God that we serve. So now when we're thinking of that, that crisis moment, I'm sure some of us have that this moment in our life, we don't come with, oh my gosh, there's a crisis, and God, you were like uh, barely making your own stuff work out. We're all just freaking out. God, there's a crisis. But God, you created the heavens and the earth. Before I was even made, you knew every single day before me, before I even breathed my first breath. Okay, God, you knew this day, this upcoming week was coming. I'm going to trust in you. This is the God that we serve. And so now let's get back to Matthew 6, verse 9. So the idea that Jesus is saying that you can approach this mighty God, this powerful God, in the Old Testament they had to do all these sacrifices and all these things they try to atone for their sin in a temporary movie. It always pointed forward that there had to be a better way, and that better way is Jesus. 
but you'll see this high level reverence of God. So we have that, but we also have the intimacy of a father. For some of us, we had awesome earthly fathers, and for some of you, you had awful earthly fathers, and maybe in between. Just know that God is not like your earthly father, amen? We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord. He created you, and he loves you. So if you have a bad image of dad, may God give you a new one of what the Heavenly Father looks like. But the idea that you can approach the Our Father, this whole idea that it's not just an individual praying, but for the disciples that he's sharing it with, it was this united prayer, that they would pray together, Our Father in heaven. The idea that you could approach God like a father means that we're coming like a child. Isn't that awesome? Become like sons and daughters, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who gets worshipped in heaven 24-7. That's our dad. Woo! Come on. Dad's got the hookups. He knows what I need. I might not get what I want, but he knows what I need, and he knows when I need it. So when you pray, this is the model, our Father in heaven, and hollow, this idea of holy, reverence, be your name. God, we want to honor you as our Father. You're in heaven. We're on earth. It's always good to remember that sometimes. This is not heaven, by the way, in case you were wondering. I'm sure the news did not clue you into that this week. This is not heaven. We long for something better because God's given us that desire. But our Father in heaven, and I love how it starts with this prayer. It's not going right into our petitions or anything, our desires. You know, prayer. what about mom or what about the sickness? What about the finances, right? Once again, glory to the Father, reverence to your name. Does your kingdom come, not my kingdom, not your kingdom, as far as people, God's kingdom. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Man, I want to know more about God, and I want to know more about his will, right? Because if you're praying for his will to come, then what exactly am I praying for? Like, does his will look like my will, right? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe, but oftentimes his will looks a lot differently. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, God, this is where I want to go. And then as we go through this, like I said, it's going to focus more on the Father part. But this idea that instead of looking for tomorrow's provision today, Jesus is reminding his followers who would really have been on, you know, without having like some of you might have emergency savings funds for six months, 12 months, 10 years, whoever. You never know. But this idea of give us today our daily bread. It's like, God, I am going to ask you for today's provision, which is shocking because I don't know about you, but I want to live in tomorrow's provision today, right? Like I want to know next month. I'm six months, next 12. I want to know what's going to be. God, I want to see the provision now. And then, and then we'll do something. God's like, no, just give us today our daily bread. We got a good dad. He knows what we need. Remember the Israelites in the, in the wilderness? They got manna from heaven. And then one day they could store up for two, right, when the Sabbath day come. But the idea is just daily. That takes a lot of trust. But there's also gratitude there. Give us today our daily bread. And then forgive us our debts. Oh, man, do we like to skip this? I like to skip. I like to look at other people's sins, right? It's so much easier. I always can find other people's sins so easily. You ever feel like that? It's like, man, that person's life is messed up. They talk that. I'm so much better. Yeah. No, we're not. We're all sinners. And Jesus says, forgive us our debts. This inward, like, reality of, wow, God, we want to get stuff on the inward person right before you, before we can even handle interacting with someone else. Let's go in prayer. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins as we also have forgiven, forgiven our debtors. Imagine if we prayed something like this each day. Once again, it's a model. You don't necessarily have to pray it word for word. You can have this. But this idea of God, would you forgive us today? I know about you, but I need God's forgiveness every single day. Amen. And Scripture says there's new mercies every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And 
And I was holding on a couple days ago. I'm like, God, I'm a sinner, and you promised mercies. God, I'm just calling out mercy. God, I want, I need your mercy, God. And you say it's new every morning, then I want to walk in that today. I'm sure all of us, if we have to be honest, we need God's mercy every day. I love this idea of forgiving our debts and then also not holding against, not storing up bitterness, but forgiving our debtors. Those who have sinned, trespassed against you, possibly this past week, you've been hurt by others that have done things you're like, they don't honor God. But Lord, I want to ask for my own sins to be forgiven. I also want to forgive those who have sinned against me. Jesus says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord doesn't lead us into temptation. He actually says in his word, he'll actually promise a way to get out of temptation. And one of the best ways to do that is to know God's word really well. We want to know God's word. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was fasting for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. Jesus knows what temptation feels like. But yet he responded to each of the devil's tempting lies with the word of God. All out of Deuteronomy, just mentioning that, no, this is what God says. This is what the word says. This is what the word. When temptation comes, the Lord will offer you a way out. So if you're struggling with something and you're like, man, I just keep falling back in the same sin, the temptation comes up, ask the Lord, God, show me the way out. Show me the way out, Lord. You promised not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from evil, or some translations say the evil one. And then at the bottom of this prayer, uh, there's a caution warning here. <laughs> that we definitely want to take to heart. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, that's like their sin, their dysfunction, your heavenly fathers will also forgive you. That's awesome. I like that. Verse 15, though, this is where the caution comes in. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So God has unconditional love for us, right? Unconditional grace and mercy. But Jesus is saying here, (laughs) There's something that we can do to almost block receiving that in our life. Are you with me this morning? That we're holding resentment and bitterness, hate towards someone else that wrongfully has hurt you. I'm not saying what they did was right. But we're not willing to forgive because we've made ourselves the model of what righteousness looks like instead of looking at the cross like Victorious reminded us today of what righteousness looks like. When we see that Jesus died for a rebellious world, (sighs) then there's no, it doesn't mean it's easy at all. I'm not saying this is easy at all. But at least in our hearts, there's nothing that we can hold against someone when Jesus is the model of forgiveness. Are you with me this morning? It's really hard, though. It's really hard. God gives us the grace, though, to be able to do that. I want to invite up the musicians at this time and just share some thoughts on prayer uh, before we have a song and then a benediction. I will be wrapping up. So as we're talking about prayer, there's, you might think, well, here's the obvious conclusion. We should probably pray more. At least, that's what I probably would think. But I'm actually not going to say that. I'm not going to say pray more, even though it's a great idea. As I was praying about this, I felt like the Lord's saying, pray that myself and us would have a desire, a passion, and a hunger for Jesus. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that because just telling people to pray more is like saying to go on a date with someone you don't know or like. Right? Date more. I don't even like hanging out with them. Well, it's going to be an awkward date at Jernabi's today. You know what I mean? But when you're in love with someone, and God said, keep it simple, love God, love people. When you're in love with someone, there's this desire to want to spend time with them, right? And you have this zeal, this passion of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied 
As a soul, my soul panteth for water as the deer, so my soul longest for God, right? This idea, that's what I'm praying for us, it's myself included, that we would have this desire that, yeah, prayer is just a vehicle to get to talk to my beloved. Prayer is just an opportunity to be loved by God. Prayer is a time, if you want to look at it like a date with God, sure, that works for you, just to have some time away from the noise and the distraction, the chaos and the craziness of finals, and just have time to listen to my Heavenly Father. Are you with me this morning? So we were praying this morning in our Sunday morning prayer group is that we would have passion and desire and joy. Joy is so important in the life of a believer. I was recently reading uh, in the book I mentioned last week, Spirit Walk, but I was reading about this missionary, and then I'll, I'll close in a moment, but uh, named George Mueller. Uh, some of you know him. He just, just walked by faith. And I was reading about him, and it was saying that he supported five different orphanages at the same time without ever asking for money. Just get that through your head. Never asking for money. He believed that God is a provider. He's like, I'll just go to prayer and ask. And God would faithfully provide for all five of the orphanages. Some of the stories would be like you'd be with the orphans. They'd be sitting down at the table. No food at the table. Nothing. And then he would just pray. Bless God for the food. And then there'd be a knock on the door. Hey, my bread truck just broke down in front of this orphanage. Do you guys need some bread? Like, no joke. It's those kind of stories. Like, God would just provide. And a lot of times, it literally was, give me today our daily bread. Like, literally, the actual little example of that. But George Mueller knew what it was like to walk by faith in tremendous ways. But I was reading a snippet about what he had to say about just knowing God. And essentially, I'll just summarize it. Essentially, he's saying that it is the utmost importance for believers. And he worded it this way. It's like 1800s, 1900s, like wording. But essentially, to get our soul happy in the presence of God. Before trying to do effectual service for the kingdom, before trying to glorify God, before trying to serve and meet the orphans or the widows or those in need or refugees or whatever you're doing, find that you make time to get your soul happy in the Lord. And he goes on that in order to have effectual service, we must know deeply in our hearts the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And I've been praying, that, Lord, would I grow in joy? And for us as well. Something Aaron mentioned to me. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it anyways. But the Lord put on his heart. He's been getting dreams. And this guy's getting like downloaded from the Lord all the time. But he's saying that the enemy, Satan, is trying to rob the joy of God's children here at New Hope. All right? So I say this as a caution. I hope you don't mind if I share that. But I want to say that because we don't play like it's a game. It's a war, spiritual war. And I want us to be wise to the enemy's schemes that we need to pray and get our soul delighted in the Lord this week. Amen? Because there's one who wants to take our joy. He can't actually take our joy away. Jesus promised it. But he could distract us enough, discourage us enough, mm -hmm. get us lost in the chaos of the finance or the health issues or the family dynamics that we forget that we can have joy in the Lord. And the last thing I'll say is I've been praying a lot in the evenings and just singing and just, just learning how to enjoy Jesus. Not pray for people. I do that too, but just enjoy Jesus. The Lord keeps whispering. I have a guitar. I know four chords. It sounds terrible. God, you know my heart. You know my heart. But God keeps whispering this line to me over and over again. I think it's a whisper for us today, church. He keeps saying, would you just linger a little longer with me? Would you just linger for another moment? Because sometimes we can be so efficient with our prayer time that we don't spend time to enjoy our Lord and Savior.
Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have great things in store for us. God, we thank you that your joy is our strength. God, we thank you there's fullness of joy in your presence. God, we thank you that those who hunger for you shall be satisfied. And Lord, I'm believing that there's those today that are hunger, hungry for you, God. Lord, forgive us and forgive me when I put things in front of you, God. Lord, so many times we lose joy just because we have an idol that we're hoping will make us happy. God, will we lay those down at your feet now? And God, would we put you in the first place of our heart and our mind, that your joy would be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.